We've been working through this fall a book in the Bible called Galatians, and we find ourselves almost halfway through the book of Galatians, and that, that book is really about freedom, freedom from not having to follow rules in order to be made right with God, but we're made right with God by what Jesus did on the cross for us, by raising from the dead three days later. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me back to that book of Galatians, to the third chapter. We'll conclude chapter 3. And it may sound like Galatians, or I, am saying a lot of the same things in these messages, that we are saved by faith alone in what Christ has done. And that is true. This book hits that drum repeatedly. Probably every week we'll hear something like that. I want to say to you that this book, and I think all the books of the Bible, are intensely practical. On Tuesday night, just a few nights ago, my oldest and I were at a college fair in our area, and we were going from one booth to the next. In some cases, I was having him take the initiative and and introducing himself and learning about a college. But there was one booth that we went to, Harding University from the state of Arkansas, that had a representative that was very good at what he did in introducing and inviting Abe to to go to that college and and offered a, a very pleasant overview of what that university was like. And then being a pastor, at the end, I said, I'm just curious, are you at all affiliated with any particular denomination? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, we are. Uh, we're, we're, we're called Church of Christ. But, uh, but we and Baptists, and, I mean, we're all about the same. And I thought to myself, I want to look into that a little bit more. And so the following day, I actually went to their website And I read, and I don't want to slander, so I want to get it real specific now as to what our Church of Christ friends believe. It says this, We hold to such distinctive practices as the teaching of baptism for the remission of sins. And Do you hear that? That is, in order to be forgiven of your sins, you must be baptized. And I would say that we would not agree, and I'm not saying as a Baptist, I'm saying as a person who is reading and teaching through the book of Galatians, that we are saved by faith alone. And I just did a simple search at Wikipedia this morning, because they have some demographics there, and around 89 to 90% of the churches in our area are predominantly would teach that message that you are saved by, by baptism and by faith. But what we are seeing here in the book of Galatians is that we are saved by faith alone in what Jesus has done. I said this was practical because I remember when I was a new believer at college and my eyes were open to being saved by faith alone, and I began to grow in my relationship with Jesus. Now, this was before Melody. 
And I remember being attracted to a young woman. <laughs> uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> and I began to spend time. I began to date this woman. And, and she would have identified herself as a Christian. Her family would have identified themselves as a Christian. But if pressed and asked, well, how is it that a person becomes a follower of Christ? She would have said, by baptism, by participating in the Lord's Supper, by going to church, by observing other sacraments. And this teaching that we see here in the book of Galatians is so crystal clear and so important that I came to a place where I said, we, we can't continue any further in our relationship. And so I share this to our students, to our young people as well, that if you are a follower of Christ and you want God's best for you and one day being married to one, you want to make sure that you have the same views on the most important thing. What is the gospel? So that you can be equally yoked agreeing on this most important thing. So I say to you, it's very, very practical. So what do we do when we have someone that disagrees with us over what the gospel is? Is it just something where we agree to disagree? Well, if you remember, in the book of Galatians, Paul went to these churches of Galatia, and he preached this message that we are saved by faith alone. Churches were popping up in this region. He left, but other people came into this region, into these churches, and they offered a different message. And word has got back to Paul. And he said in chapter 1, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. There's only one gospel, and that's the point that Paul is making here in the book of Galatians. And he says to them, in the first uh, verse here of Galatians chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Let us continue through the first half of Galatians 3. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is of those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. For all who 
rely on the works of the law or under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Our Father, as we've just read the passage today, help us to understand that this gospel message that's been preserved for all of these thousands of years is given to us by credible sources. The very Word of God, preserved by the Holy Spirit of God. Now I pray as we review this message again today, we would understand the bedrock confidence that we can have in this message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The question before us today is where are we getting this message? How do we know that the gospel is by faith alone? When we look here at verse 1, Paul is reviewing and he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, this word foolish means spiritually dull. You who are mentally lazy. Those of you who are easily convinced. It says here, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you. This word bewitched is an appropriate one for the end of October. It refers to, it seems as if someone has cast a spell upon you. At one time, you understood that the message of the Scriptures was by faith alone you received this gift of salvation. But something has happened as these other people have come into your churches. They've confused you and have said it's by works and by the law. What has happened to you? Now, he's not speaking specifically about someone casting a spell. But we do know that there is a deceiver among us. He is the father of lies. Jesus said of him in John 8, verse 44, The devil, he said, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. The devil, he was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. And so he's continuing to review with them the second part of verse 1. It says, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He is saying here, I came to you and others with me, and we preached Christ crucified. That's a good summary of what the gospel is is that your sin and my sin is so evil, it's so heinous, that it needed to be dealt with in a very severe way by someone else coming in your place and taking the cross that you deserve. And so he says, I came and I preached him in such a way, it was as if you could see Christ on the cross. 
And so the question is then, how do we know that the gospel is by faith alone? And there's two different answers that Paul is going to give in our passage this morning. The first is based on personal experience. He says, let me ask this question of you. Look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And you see what Paul is doing here? Is he is making this concept of being born again, being saved from your sins, or being justified, he is making that the equivalent of receiving the Spirit. It's all one event. Do you know that if you are saved from your sins, at that moment, at your birthday, at your birth moment, then you also received God's Spirit. It says there in Romans 8, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Or in Romans 8, verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about God's Spirit. In your outline, there's a number of things, and we could certainly do a a study or a couple of messages on the Holy Spirit's work. Let me just go over a few of these things. The Holy Spirit teaches us God's Word. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit dwells in believers. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. The Holy Spirit seals or guarantees a believer's salvation. The Holy Spirit helps and intercedes in our weaknesses. And we'll find out later in this book that the Holy Spirit produces power and fruit in our lives. So Paul is posing this question. How was it that you received the Spirit? There's two different responses to that. He says there, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? That's the first response. Or by hearing with faith. I remember when I was in third grade, thinking of works of the law. I wasn't very motivated as a student. And one day my teacher says, here's what we're going to do for your spelling test. We're going to create this chart. And for every time you ace the spelling test, we're going to put a star there. And for every 10 stars, you're going to get a sucker. Well, now you're speaking my language, right? And man, I was really motivated to do the works in order to earn that prize. In Little League Baseball, I remember uh, getting a couple of boxes of candy bars And if I wanted to have that uniform, I needed to sell these candy bars and give the money back to the Little League so I could wear these uniforms. I needed to earn it. I went door to door selling these candy bars. When I was approaching high school graduation, I needed to take the ACT test in order to get an acceptable grade so I would be accepted into a university. Once I was in that university... I learned of certain percentages that you needed to get in order to get an A or a B. And then if you wanted to get into grad school, there was other benchmarks that you needed to attain. Maybe you're in a a work environment 
where you are assessed on a quarterly or by every six months or, or annually on your productivity to see if you have increased it from the last time you received your review. Well, what is it, Paul is asking, at what point would you receive God's Spirit? Is that if you get 90% church attendance? Is that if you obey seven of the Ten Commandments? Is that if you are here every time the Lord's Supper is served? If you go on a, a mission trip once a year? If you lead... Ten people to Christ a year. At what point do you become a follower? What, at what point do you have your sins forgiven? At what point do you receive the Spirit? He's saying, did you receive it by works? Or the next part, the next possibility, or by hearing with faith? Well, if you remember the story of these churches in Galatia being formed... According to Acts 13 and Acts 14, what happened was Paul preached the message to them that they are saved by what Christ has done and you must place your faith in what he has done. And they received that message. And throughout the book of Acts, what took place is when people received that message, they had their sins forgiven, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. The obvious answer then, church family, churches there in Galatia, is that you receive the Spirit upon hearing with faith. And he asks another question in verse 3. Are you so foolish? Then having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You, You started out in receiving the Spirit. Are you setting the Holy Spirit aside And now working out your salvation in your own strength. Why would you do that? In verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? If you read in Acts 13 and Acts 14, as these churches got started, there was a lot of persecution. A lot of resistance to this message there by faith alone. And he's asking them, why would you have endured so many hardships if you could do this by yourself? And then in verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? As you reflect back on God's work in your life through the Holy Spirit, is that something that you take credit for? Or is it something that the Spirit has worked out in you? You see, we, are, we receive the Spirit by faith. So the first reason that we can know that we're, the gospel is by faith alone is just by personal experience. We receive the Spirit. We see the change that He is working out in our lives. And we know that it is true that we are saved by faith alone. But a personal testimony in and of itself is, is not entirely bulletproof, is it? Because there are people in cults that have a personal testimony. So we want to ground this testimony in something else. And so let's consider the second reason that we can know the gospel is by faith alone. And that is according to the Scriptures. So how is it that we know that the gospel is faith alone? Let me read verses 5 and 6 together because they, they are tied into one another. 
Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness? So here's what Paul is doing. He is saying, in order to support my claim that you are saved by faith alone, let me go back to the founding father of our faith. Let us consider Abraham. And how was it that Abraham was saved? And do you see it there in verse 6? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he is quoting here from Genesis 15. Do you know that story? Here is Abraham. He is advanced in age. He is way older, him and his wife, way older than normal childbearing age. And yet God makes this promise and says, From you, you will be the father of a great nation. And your ancestors will be a blessing to all the other families on the earth. And in Genesis 15, there's a time where God reminds him of this by taking him outside. And on that particular night, there was not a cloud in the sky. and He could see these millions of stars. And he says to Abraham, I want you to look up there. And you see those stars? Yep. That's kind of what your descendants are going to be like. Let me read that to you. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And listen to what the Scripture says. And he believed the Lord. And he counted to him as righteousness. As Abraham was saved by faith alone, so are we. What does this word believe mean? Is it more like, I believe there is a God, I believe that this Bible is true, or does it mean something more than that? I remember that evangelism explosion class where they used a chair. And they looked at a chair and they said, if you look at this chair, it looks like it's capable of holding me. I've seen other people sit in this chair. I believe with a certain level of confidence that that chair would hold me. Intellectually, I believe that that would hold me. That is not at all what this faith of Abraham is here. This faith that we are learning about is a faith that says, I'm going to transfer my trust from my own feet onto that chair because I truly believe that this chair can hold me. And that's kind of what it's like to believe in God. To believe that He sent Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And to say, I not only believe that in my mind, but I am transferring all my confidence and trust in what He has done. Abraham knew that he would never be able to have children on his own, so he transferred all of his trust unto God working that miracle. And that's exactly what God did. This word believed means to transfer your trust. The the concept of counted to him as righteousness means that his status before God has been changed. At one time, his status before God was guilty and condemned. 
But now God in his favor has transferred righteousness onto his account. Today we have things like PayPal and Venmo. And if you have an account within a matter of a minute or two, I could transfer $50 to your account from my bank account to your bank account. And you're like, thank you for that credit, right? Well, that's what's taken place in a person that is believed in God to save them from their sins. At one time, they ran a deficit. They were guilty before God. But God in his mercy has credited their account as righteous. And then we read here, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Many believe that they're a child of Abraham based on biology or ancestry. I was born a Jew. But the true sons of Abraham are those by faith. Because as Abraham was saved by faith and faith alone, so are we saved by faith and faith alone. Verse 8, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. There in Genesis 12, in that initial calling where God summons Abraham and says, From you, all the families on earth will be blessed. That finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Because Jesus was an ancestor of Abraham. I would tell you that that changed my life when I realized that that promise going through Abraham was not just for me and it was not just for a church in Green Bay. But did you see that? It's for all the families on the earth. That really is a missionary verse that we are not to keep this gospel to ourselves in the same way that the Jews were not to keep God for themselves. So here's a follow-up question then. Are you saying then that the law has no purpose? Well, let's look at what it says here in verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Are you saying that the Old Testament law has no purpose at all? Not at all. In fact, if you can keep every law at every moment of your life, well, then that's good for you. But the problem is there is not one person born that can do that. So as a result, what the law actually does, instead of delivering us to righteousness, delivers us to a curse. Now, what in the world does a curse mean? What is a curse? Well, let me define that by offering it as an opposite of a blessing. We know this probably in the church, this blessing recited in Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. We'll reverse that. This is what it means for you to be cursed. May the Lord curse you and reject you. 
May he turn his face from you and give you the penalty your sin deserves. May he pour out his wrath upon you and give you turmoil and pain. This is what the Bible says, that what we get with the law is every single one of us, our cursed. Since we are unable to keep the law, we are under this curse. Look what it says in verse 11 now. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Our only hope here is in placing our trust, transferring our confidence onto what Christ has done for us. Verse 12, But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And then you have the gospel here in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. In the Old Testament, when a person was killed under the capital punishment, typically it was by stones. People would take stones and they would throw it at them to the point of death. But if the message was to be sent that this person was rejected by God, then they would take that deceased body and hang them up on a pole. And it would send a message to everyone that God had cursed this person. But did you see what took place when Jesus died on the cross? He, is, according to verse 14, became our curse. He hung up, not on a pole, but on a tree, on our behalf. What we did is we broke the law. And what Jesus did is he took our punishment, do you see the words, for us. And then in verse 14, we see this double blessing that comes. So that in Christ, Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might Come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. By faith in Jesus, we receive the double blessing of being declared righteous and receiving the Holy Spirit. The message that we have before us in the Bible is that we are saved by faith alone. How do we know that? By personal experience. And by the scriptures. Being supported throughout the Old Testament. And now being supported in the New Testament. Now before we take the Lord's Supper here in a moment. The Lord's Supper are for those who have trusted Christ by faith alone. You know there was something that took place. And still takes place today. That for the Jews they just assumed that. Abraham was their father because of their ancestry. My dad and mom were Jews so that I am Jews. But something else has taken place in the church day. A lot of times people think I'm a Christian because my mom and dad are a Christian. But you see, it doesn't work that way. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. And that each of us must do something with this Christ. 
Have you transferred your trust in what Jesus has done for you and all of your trust, all of your confidence by placing your faith in what he has done? Have you turned from your sins? And that alone. Or are you trying to work your way to heaven? Or a combination of faith and works? The Bible tells us that we're only saved by faith alone. We are thankful for this message. Would you pray with me as we prepare ourselves here for the Lord's Supper? Our Father, we thank you for these verses. To know that this is not just some sort of subjective conclusion that we are basing on our feelings. This message that we are saved by faith alone is not a Baptist message. It's a Bible message. And we see it just ringing through, and it seems like every passage that we cover here in Galatians. And I pray for myself, I pray for our family, and for our guests here today, that they would just build their lives on this. And you would give us just gospel eyes. Not, not to be mean or loud and obnoxious, but, but to be able to be discerning when we hear people say, well, we believe the same thing. But just to be able to ask questions, do you really believe the same thing? Do you, do you really believe that you are saved by faith alone, by what Christ has accomplished for us? Lord, I pray for our family today as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. Can each of us say that I'm, I've been saved by faith alone? And if not, I, I just extend this invitation to you today. Sort this out. There is a gift that awaits you. Receive this. Turn from your sins. Our sins are so wicked in God's eyes. And even our righteous attempts at being good are, are not even close to being worthy. The only thing that we have to offer our holy God is our sin, our brokenness. He has come and made a way for you to be forgiven, to enter into a relationship with Him by sending His only Son to die in your place. While you still can, throw yourself out at Him Say, please save me from my sins, the penalty of my sin, from the curse of the law, that I might receive this blessing of being declared righteous and receive your spirit into my life. Do it. You can do it now. Lord, we thank you for this message, the cross that's been provided for us. And it's good for us to be reminded of the benefits again today. In Jesus' name. Amen.